Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, this is Ryan Berger taking you through another episode of the podcast Inside the Burger Shop, a discussion at the intersection of sports, entertainment, technology, marketing, and more. It is October 6th, a Friday, a nice long weekend for some. Looking forward to it. The weather's been fantastic in New York over the past sort of three or four weeks as we've gone right into football season and of course the beginning of the postseason in baseball hockey has started with the rangers taking a quick l the beginning of the season and of course preseason hoops so it is as good of a time of year as you can have and i thought i'd sort of develop a really cool show today and we'll be joined shortly by two different guests uh We'll talk about a number of different things. We'll talk to Joe Caparoso from TurnOnTheJets.com, and we'll talk to him about everything going on with the New York football Jets. And then we're going to talk to Robin Lundberg, uh, one of the great names and, and great personalities in New York sports media, and we'll talk to Robin about everything going on with sports media, the New York teams, and whatnot as well. Um, I think before we get into anything, before we get into the sponsors, before we get into the shows, before we get into the content, I quickly just want to, you know, touch on it being possible to do anything without not recognizing sort of what's going on in Las Vegas and, and in the world. It's just an absolute nightmare uh, situation, what's been happening. Uh, th- these guns have to be put down. Enough's enough at this point. Uh, too many innocent people losing their lives in places where they go to simply have fun and be entertained. Nobody wants to live this way. There has to be a better way. There has to be a better formula. Uh, the guns are the absolute worst. So finding a way to 
put these things down and, and letting people enjoy their lives at sporting events, at music concerts and others is really, is really the answer. So we have to find a way to, to get moving and, and prayers up and, and sort of, you know, recognizing everything that's happened out there in Las Vegas and, and best wishes to everybody going through just a, an absolute, you know, nightmarish of, of, of a situation. Uh, I did want to address that and talk about that just for you know a quick second. Uh, it felt like it, you know it was right, and, and we had to talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, we try to keep our shows very focused on conversations about sports and technology and, and digital media, and that's a lot of what we're going to do today. Um, before we get into that, quickly want to talk about our partners. Uh, thanks so much to our original partner, Hyper. Hyper is the world's largest search engine for influencers in the world with over 12 million influencers. You can head on over to hyperbrands.com, H-Y-P-R, and identify anybody that you want to work with in the world. Hyper handles all the influencer marketing for Pepsi, Microsoft, Marc Jacobs, H&M, and many other brands globally to help them identify celebrities and influencers. Hyperbrands.com, the world's largest search engine for influencers. And, of course, our friends at Crowdsline. Head over to the Crowdsline.com, make your prediction of what's going to happen in tonight's games. Get all kinds of free prizes, gift cards, and whatnot. All you have to do is head on over, make your prediction of what's going to happen in tonight's games, and win some cool prizes. And, of course, to our buddy Billy Cotler down at 150 Ann Street, the best Mediterranean food in New York City, Pita Express. Head on down. Let them know you're a listener of the show. Big supporters. Pita Express, 150 Ann Street, the best hummus in Pita in all of New York City. It's the best time of the year. I started to talk a little bit about that in the beginning of the show. Uh, we've got all kinds of action with sports between the football season and full swing. Uh, I'm sure the word swing doesn't feel good for people that were rooting for Tampa last night when you looked at all of those field goals that were swinging the wrong way by the former Jet Nick Folk, uh, which was a shock considering how, how, how rock solid he was for the Jets. But football in full swing. Uh, of course, baseball with the Yankees game two coming up in just a couple of hours. Basketball preseason. Hockey is underway. And I really wanted to spend some time today focusing on uh, digital sports media, and we're joined by two different guests over the course of the show. Uh, the first guest is the VP of Whistle Sports, and he also is the founder and runs TurnOnTheJets.com, and he is Joe Caparoso. Joe, welcome to Inside the Burger Shop. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you today, and you know, you have such an interesting background we have a lot of people who listen to the show, listen to and want to know about New York sports, but they also are sports media individuals and want to know how to get into it. Give the audience a sense of what your background is, what you do at Whistle, and sort of what Whistle is as, as a relatively new company on the, uh, on the space. Uh, so Whistle Sports is a social media first sports distribution company. Um, we are trying to gear our content towards uh, millennials and Generation Z, primarily through distribution on places like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we cover a wide range of sports. We're not really built on trying to do more on-field analysis or any rights 
you know, broadcasting of games, but rather a little bit more of, you know, sports entertainment and sports culture and, and showing that off and getting people to engage uh, around that type of content. We've been around for about five years now. Uh, I've been here for about four years, uh, and I was able to, you know, get over here uh, as I was working on a New York Jets site that you had mentioned uh, on the side, and I used that as sort of the lead on my resume when I initially applied to work here and then gradually moved over to focus a little more on social media, and that's what uh, you know I've been doing here the past few years and building up a team around. Very cool. So, you know, you guys are doing a lot of cool stuff in this space. Are you guys representing uh, athletes and individuals or sort of when indiv- athletes want to execute social media campaigns, they'd come to a company like Whistle Sports? Yes, yeah, we do, we do a few different things over here, but we do have a network of over 400 digital creators, uh, a mix of athletes and then online uh, YouTube stars, uh, Instagram stars, other people who have been distributing uh, digital video content and helping them get branded content deals, helping them optimize their platforms, uh, helping them get connected uh, with the main distribution platforms as well. So that definitely is a big part of our business, and then we're also – working to grow and drive on our own brand with our own and operated content uh, parallel to that, uh, while also working uh, to distribute video on some of the different OTT platforms like Verizon Go90, YouTube Red, and the new Facebook Watch uh, app that's been rolled out. Very cool. It's funny, you know, it's, you have a, almost the opposite background. Normally people spend so much of their time in sports marketing and then go into something like this. You've done the opposite, which is build a digital presence and a digital platform, which is then rolled into uh, more of a sports social media job. So, you know, let's get into that because your passion is very similar to mine, and that's gigantic Jet fans. Uh, you've started a website, turnonthejets.com, which has turned into one of the premier destinations for Jets content. Uh, your Twitter at J-C-A-P-O-R-O-S-O, your last name, first letter, your first name is where you can find you on Twitter. You're a great follow. You're getting a lot of great engagement. The Jets sort of destination is one that, you know, clearly was needed in, in the space. Talk to us a little bit about what made you start this and how you go about it, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about kind of how it's doing today. Yeah, I think there was just a, I noticed a frustration and I was frustrated as a Jets fan with, with how they were being covered uh, over the past, you know, 10 or 15 years. Um, just the type of angles and some of the repetitiveness that, that comes from having, you know, so many beat writers sort of cycling through the same boilerplate quotes and taking similar angles uh, to how the team is being covered. So, you know, originally I was doing some freelancing at different places like Bleacher Report and some other smaller sites And then gradually, NBC Sports actually launched a network of sports blogs that had one for every NFL team, one for every NBA team, NHL, and MLB. And they asked me if I wanted to run the Jets site. So I did that for about a year or so. And then, unfortunately, that network shut down. uh, But they allowed me to buy out the domain and, you know, take over actually owning Turn on the Jets. And that was about, uh, I think, around like 2010, 2011. And since then... Uh, you know, we've just been growing, you know, adding podcasts, adding different writers, uh, adding some merchandise, uh, and we've had a good opportunity to expand because we've been able to work with the team a few different times. We've done some different, you know, podcasts and video content with them, and we try to provide, you know, a different angle of coverage. We do we do film breakdowns. We try to offer 
a little more analysis rather than, you know, opinion-driven pieces or, or content that's reliant on access. We, we have, you know, had the ability to be credentialed and go to different practices and stuff, but that's really not where our angle comes from. Our angle comes from, again, trying to analyze the team, trying to analyze the film, trying to analyze the salary cap and how the roster is broken down and, you know, providing a, a different style of writing for Jet fans to consume. What is the size of the current sort of site today? I mean, do you do you have a certain amount of of users at this point that you felt is bigger than you could have ever imagined? How has it grown with the sort of sport as the sport has grown? Uh, obviously, the team, and we'll talk about the team over the past couple of years, and specifically this year. You know, how have you seen the growth of the users in comparison to sort of the league and the success versus the non-success of the actual team itself? Uh, you know, it's an interesting question. It's gradually grown over time, and we start. What was nice is that we started really right around the team's back-to-back AFC Championship runs. But the site, you know, was still smaller back then. And despite them generally struggling more than playing well over the past six to seven years, we've had good incremental growth. And it's really been the more content we put out, the more we've been able to grow. And yes, generally the site does better when the team is competitive and they're competing for a playoff spot, but. I think we've built to a spot where we could kind of handle seasons when they're underachieving and underperforming. And, you know, traffic generally always goes up, you know, around three main times in season uh, at the start of free agency and during NFL draft weekend is where they'll lead up to that. So, you know, in good months, you know, we, we could be getting well over a hundred thousand, 125,000 page views, you know, gets a little quieter in the off season. But when we first started, you know, it, it was a tiny site, you know, part of a pretty small network. You know, we were happy when we were able to get, you know, 10,000 page views in a month. Very impressive stuff. We're going, we're talking to Joe Cabaroso. Joe's the founder of turn on the jets.com and the vice president of social media over at whistle sports. So Joe, you know, let's talk about the team. Um, you know, obviously, a surprise through four games, a, a, a team that everybody thought was, you know, going to tank. You guys have sell some really fun merchandise uh, on your uh, on your site, such as, you know, shirts you can buy, suck for Sam, and, and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, they really depleted the entire roster this year, came with an entirely new group of young guys, a lot of unknown guys to a lot of people who probably don't follow the team as close as you and I do. Um, you know, two and two through four games, I think, is a big surprise. Although I'm not, I'm not convinced that we're going to see many more wins. Um, give us a sense about what you're sort of seeing through four games, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the specific players and some of the young guys uh, that hopefully are here to stay. Yeah, I think a good start was always on the table for this team, and I think any objections of them going 0-16 or 1-15 were always a little crazy. I, I thought they were more of a 5-11, and 6-10 and team and had the potential to have a better-than-expected start just because of how the schedule broke out. Uh, you know, getting uh, Jacksonville, getting Cleveland next week, and then Miami and Buffalo, those games are always competitive. Obviously, they split with those two teams, and you figured you could probably get a win out of one of those two games, but – it's been a fun team to watch. You know, it's an easy team to root for, unlike last year, uh, which was a lot of old, overpaid veterans underperforming. Now you have a lot of young, hungry players uh, looking to prove themselves. Uh, it's been encouraging early returns from the, the high 
draft picks in 2017. It, it was a good environment. I was at the game last week. There was a good-sized crowd. There was good energy in the building. And this, like you said, the schedule will get harder. This team will have to play New England, Atlanta, Kansas City, Denver, Carolina, et cetera. So there's going to be more losses on the schedule. But for now, I think they got a really good chance to get to three and two. And, you know, I think when it's all said and done, this is still a five or six win team. But, you know, the main thing is that are the young players showing growth and developing? And we've seen that through four games. Now, before we talk about some of the young guys, and I, and I don't, and I, I, I'm not sure they, you know, the while I really liked them last weekend, the Jacksonville coming in off of London, I'm not sure they'll go into Cleveland and, and win this weekend with, with, with what they have. McCown's been really, you know, solid so far. But, you know, you sent out a tweet, I think it was the other day, that was, I thought, incredibly interesting, and that was looking at the results and the performances so far of all the guys that they actually removed from the team. I think there was six or seven there's a lot of big names Decker and Marshall I mean can you go through some of those because when you look at those guys their performance has pretty much been non-existent David Harris uh, with their new teams is that a reflection sort of that a lot of those guys might actually have been done so while they were you know sort of being on the team who they were what they were making it almost started to feel like as you just described overpaid heavier baggage yeah, yeah. I mean, I think those guys are all big names, so it's understandable for people to have, you know, a reaction when they see those names released off the roster. But the reality is that most of those guys were either hurt or underperforming last year, and that team still managed to win five games, which is why I didn't think it was crazy to think this team could win five games because really, yes, on paper they lost some big names, but how much, you know, talent did they really lose? Like, it, on paper, it would seem devastating to lose Darrell Reeves, but Darrell Reeves was really bad last year. There's a reason, there's a reason he was signed. You know, on, you know, on paper, it would be devastating to lose Nick Mangle, but he was hurt most of last year, and Wesley Johnson was pretty good when he filled in for them. So there, him, so there hasn't been a big drop-off this year. You know, Harris obviously slowing down at this stage of his career. Marshall, after being, you know, dominant in 2015, really didn't play well at all last year. And it went, went beyond the bad quarterback play. You know, he did not – he faded down the stretch substantially. And you're seeing that uh, roll over into with the Giants. And Decker missed all of last year with an injury. So they didn't have Decker last year anyway. So uh, they didn't really – they're not feeling that loss all that much on offense. And you're seeing it, you know, with all these guys who let go. You know, Decker's, you know, not making much of an impact uh, for the Titans. Marshall hasn't scored a touchdown yet for the Giants in their own four. Uh, Mangold's on the team, Revis isn't on the team, Nick Folk's about to get cut after what happened last night. Harris is basically inactive every week for the Patriots, so not really missing any of these guys. It's crazy. Really is wild. We're talking to Joe Cabarroso. Joe's the founder of TurnOnTheJets.com, the premier destination for all Jets, Jets content. Joe, you know, we went into this season with three quarterbacks. Uh, McCown sort of as a guy that, you know, is clearly the most – the guy that they're going to get the most out of. And then two really young guys that they have used high draft picks on, Bryce Petty and, and, and Christian Hackenberg. Um, I, I know we've seen a, a sum of Petty. Uh, have basically seen almost none of Hackenberg, which is obviously a horrendous sign when you know that you want to you wanna lose for the most part or you certainly want to see what the young guys have, and they're starting that method with so many different positions, but the quarterback position is not one of those, um, or certainly isn't today. I imagine will be shortly. 
you've seen these guys up close. You've been on the field in Florham Park with them, and you're obviously incredibly connected to the word of mouth and buzz coming out of there. You know, what is your take on the quarterback situation with who they have on the roster today? I think the team is aware that their 2018 and long-term starter isn't currently on the roster. I mean, Josh McCown, this will probably be his last year in the NFL. He's 38, you know, he'll be, you know, 39 heading into next year. He's basically holding the fort until they could come up with a better long-term answer. And at the rate he's going, we'll probably play at least up through the bye week before they would consider making a switch. I think they hope Bryce Petty could be their long-term backup here. I think everyone was encouraged by the strides he made in preseason this year. Uh, I don't know if anyone views him as a long-term starter, but as a long-term backup, maybe. And, you know, Hackenberg was, you know, really did not show enough progress uh, at all. You know, he was very bad this preseason like he was in his first preseason, and it's really hard uh, to see that guy ever being a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't think there's anyone in the Jets organization who seriously thinks he's going to be the team's starting quarterback in 2018, which is why I think you'll see them aggressively look to address the position either in the draft or free agency. Which brings us up to, before we talk about some of the youth on offense and defense, I, I actually would think it, it might be best to actually start with the, 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 the coaching and the, and, and Mikey Mags. Um, you know, Going on several years now, you know, Bowles, a lot of question marks about a lot of things, specifically in my mind, defense, where he is supposed to be a defensive mastermind. And certainly the first two games did not see, you know, anything out of the defense, although obviously much more improved the last couple, again, against pretty weak competition. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on that group? This is a group that if they stay has to make probably the biggest decision of the, of the, in at least a decade of who they're going to select, hopefully with one of these quarterbacks, best draft since 1984. Now, what are your thoughts on Bowles and Mikey Maggs? Uh, my guess is as of now, both of them will be back. I think the organization is kind of aware of what they were doing uh, this off season, this off season. And, I have a hard time believing that an interim owner and Chris Johnson, who is a first-time guy in this job and only has a job temporarily, is going to fire the GM and the head coach and make wholesale changes and lead a new search. I think it's more likely that he'll keep the status quo, and I think there's very fair questions about whether these two guys are the right guys for the job. I think both have been up and down. Both have been fairly average overall, probably a little more bad than good. Obviously, both of them started out very strong, but uh, – very troubling signs last year, both from a coaching standpoint and from some of the contracts that were handed out. Some of the early draft returns for Mike McCagnan have not been positive. Now he has a chance to redeem himself if 2017 turns out to be a strong class. Some of the waiver wire additions he may continue to perform very well. Uh, but as of now, I think both of them are still question marks. Both of them still have plenty to prove, but I do think both of them will probably be back in 2018 unless the Jets – you know, basically lose out and they're getting blown out every single week. You know, Bowles is supposedly a defensive genius. Mikey Maggs brought in a lot of the young guys on the defensive uh, side of the ball. That's clearly the most positive side right now with Leonard Williams and, and the young kids at safeties. Give us a sense of sort of what you've seen, what you've heard. You know, Adams clearly looks like the real deal. Um, you know, how, how are you feeling about where those guys are? 
both the standpoint of the young guys and Leonard Williams. I mean, you know, I I, I am ba- I can't tell how good he is. Sometimes I look and say he's one of the best, could be one of the best defensive linemen in the league. In other games, it's so hard to evaluate it because they're so out of the game. Um, you know, what do you think about where they are on the defensive side of the ball with some of the young players? I think you got to be really happy with everything you've seen from Jamal Adams through four games. He looks like someone who merited a top ten pick, mostly because of his versatility. The Jets line him up at strong safety, free safety, outside linebacker, slot corner. He plays basically everywhere, uh, and that allows them to do a lot more on defense. And second round pick Marcus May has been very steady as well. Not always, you know, popping off the uh, stat sheet or making a ton of head turning plays, but he's been very steady and reliable in coverage and not allowing any big plays and. It's not easy to start day one uh, as a second-round rookie, and he's held up pretty well. You know, Leonard Williams, I think, had somewhat of a breakout last season. He's been relatively quiet through four games. I think he's dealing with the reality that Muhammad Wilkerson just isn't very good anymore, so teams are doubling Williams and putting all their attention on him, uh, and he's going to have to learn how to adjust to that. No more Sheldon Richardson, uh, you know, uh, a diminished Muhammad Wilkerson next to him, and that's going to be an adjustment period for him. So Williams is still a very good young player. Uh, is he an all-pro yet, like some Jet fans make him out to be? Probably not, but it's going to be interesting to see how he continues to develop going forward. This is good stuff. This guy, is, you're, as, you're as connected and as well-spoken as anybody I've heard on the team. Very informative and very, very good stuff. Before we let you go, and I do appreciate uh, the time today, on the offensive side, you know, they have a number of young guys, McGuire and others. Are you seeing any pieces that you can sort of build with? Are there any of the receivers uh, that you feel relatively good about moving into next year at all? Yeah, I think you know, I think the Jets quietly have some really intriguing uh, pieces of the skill positions. And if you look at a guy like Robbie Anderson, who performed very well as a rookie and is showing signs of being a consistent deep threat this year, uh, he's going to be a piece moving forward at receiver. We haven't seen much of our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen yet, who the Jets spent mid-round picks on. My guess is we'll see more of them as the season goes on. But both flashed in the preseason. Uh, at tight end, Austin Safarian Jenkins is a former second-round pick uh, who has lost 20 pounds and looked better uh, coming back off of his two-game suspension. And then, you know, you saw Elijah McGuire this year as a sixth-round rookie, just so much speed. You know, the Jets' offense is at a different speed when him and Powell out there compared to Matt Forte, you know, ripping off a 70-yard touchdown run. So I think Anderson, McGuire, Safarian Jenkins, uh, and then you hope, uh, Stewart and Hanson eventually get a little more playing time, but I think there's some encouraging pieces there. There's still some more that needs to be added, but there's definitely a little more talent than they get credit for. It's been an interesting time to be a Jet fan. It usually is interesting. This year has been so different in the sense that everyone kind of believes that one of these quarterbacks is the answer. We've seen these quarterbacks play every single weekend. You know, before we let you go, any thoughts on? Uh, anyone in particular that you are intrigued by, anything that you've seen from Rosen or Darnold or even some of the other kids like Josh Allen? I mean, Rosen's my favorite of the bunch. I think him and Darnold are, are pretty tight, and I think people are overreacting to Darnold's recent performance. Uh, you know, I would not write him off uh, as a top three, top five pick or assume that he's definitely not coming out of college. I think him and Rosen are at the top. Uh, Rosen, again, is the guy I prefer right now, but it's going to be a deep class ultimately. People – you know, are being a little too much of a roller coaster analyzing these guys week to week. But when it's all said and done, I think you'll see four or five quarterbacks taken in the first round. So even if the Jets end up taking, 
end up with a six to eight pick, which is very much a possibility. I wouldn't be shocked if either they were able to get a quarterback there or find a way to package picks, move up, and get a quarterback. You can follow Joe on at Jay Caparoso on Twitter. He owns the TurnOnTheJets.com, which is the premier Jets destination. He's as connected as anybody in the space when it comes to the New York Jets. Joe, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you spending some time with us today, and I'd love to have you on as we get closer to the end of the year and the draft, and we'll continue to uh, promote the, 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 the platform as, and you as well. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks. That's Joe Caparoso. As I mentioned, Joe is the founder of TurnOnTheJets.com, clearly the premier destination for Jets content, Uh, really, really connected to everything going on in the space right now, and a team that is in transition, a team that is trying to figure out what to do this year. Um, And it it can't be easy. You know, as much as – People, you know, want these guys to win or lose. It can't be easy when you're sitting there looking at this kind of draft coming up, looking at your record and all these. You you don't want to play to lose, but that's what sports has come and understanding. And the NBA just built a whole sort of thing around the new draft as to how teams can stop from tanking and kind of losing on purpose and it's been unbelievably impressive to see a lot of the players. I heard uh, Marcus Claiborne, cornerback from the Cowboys, talk about that the team is using and hearing all that stuff and using it to play harder, uh, playing with an edge, and you certainly can tell that in the first four games. Um, and it would have been interesting to see New England, who should have lost last night, if they were to lose, the Jets would have been actually in front of the Pats, which would just be <laughs> so classic in, 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 a, in, a, in that kind of Um, rivalry. So all I guess you can ask is that the team continues to play hard and the young guys continue to to grow and show potential. And I think through four games, for the most part, uh, we've seen all of that. Uh, So thanks, Joe, and TurnOnTheJets.com for having Joe on uh, today. And we'll be joined in just a couple of minutes by Robin Lumberg. And while we're waiting for Robin to call in, I guess it's a good time to uh, talk a little bit about uh, what we saw yesterday or the in the wild card game and then again yesterday with, with the Yankees, uh, which was the total opposite, right? You, you watched a wild card game and you thought, wow, this team is fun and young and loose, smacking balls all over the place. The in-depth is incredible. They're sitting Headley and Holiday and they've got so many guys. And we talked a lot about, and I was tweeting all the time about how I sat in that stadium in 161st Street and River Avenue and sat there for years with not only years that they've won, but how many painful years in the playoffs with A-Rod and other guys who could not get a hit out of the infield. And now you watch this team uh, in the wild card game and they're just coming up, smacking balls out of left field, hitting homers, staring pitchers down down 3 nothing, just complete uh, looseness, interviews in the dugout with Judge, um, couldn't have looked looser. And then, of course, two days later, they go into a wild uh, playoffs game one, and they get absolutely shut down by Trevor Bauer, which, look, Bauer's a really uh, – he's a good pitcher, but he's not Nolan Ryan. And, uh, and he just took the life out of that lineup. Of course, he had a lot of help from the home plate umpire and his strike zone. And while I'll never blame a game like that on the umps, uh, clearly they, the strike zone didn't help uh, the Yankees. But, you know, zero hitting 
Um, it was a real real issue as you look at the depth all of a sudden. Uh, nobody able to really get many hits. Uh, no hit through five and a third. And now it's a little bit of trouble, right, because you have um, Corey Kluber coming up today at five o'clock in just a couple hours. Kluber has been the best pitcher in the league all year long. The Yankees have had a lot of success bouncing back from leads, uh, bouncing back from deficits, especially when you look at uh, the playoffs. But this is not an easy task because not only do you have the best pitcher in the league up against them today, but you also have the t- a team who might be the best team in the league. And as much as everybody's talking about the Yankees and their depth, Cleveland also has an incredible amount of depth. Their hitters are loaded. They've got two MVP candidates. They have guys also like Carlos Santana who have been there before. This is a team that has won, I think, 28 games in a row this year. And, and when you add all that up, they're hitting their strong starting pitching, again, fa- facing Kluber today. But they also have an incredible bullpen and the former Yankee Andrew Miller who is an absolute beast out of the bullpen. And Andrew Miller came in last night and did his thing. Actually, two guys on, they took him out. He wasn't as sharp as you normally see Andrew Miller. But I think as the series continues to go, one of the things we've seen from Tito Francona is the ability to use Andrew Miller in different opportunities, in different situations, and Francona continues to use him in different versatile ways, and it'll be interesting to see you know, what happens in just a couple hours. But while it's not a must-win, I'd say it's pretty much pretty close uh, because if you, don't, if you lose today, you have to beat the Indians three games in a row uh, to win the series, and that's a big, big challenge. And now we're joined by uh, Robin Lundberg. Robin, uh, one of the great sports media uh, personalities out of New York. Robin spent the bulk of his career at ESPN, uh, hosted a daily radio show here in New York, which was simulcast to over 400 markets. He's done a lot of work with SI and a lot of the new digital shows and is now the host of At Stick to Sports, which is a YouTube show and a really good one that he hosts. And, Robin, welcome to Inside the Burger Shop. How are you, man? Hey, what's going on? I'm doing well. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. I'm happy to connect with you. It's obviously a nice Friday afternoon here in New York. There's a lot of sports going on, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. So I wanted to sort of connect with you. We were just talking to... Uh, Joe Caparoso, who runs the largest Jets website in the in the world when it comes to Jets and Jets content. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening with New York sports, and then we'll talk about sort of sports media and, and what you're up to. Um, maybe we'll start a start on the football teams. You know, you, you hosted a radio show here, so you know what the sort of temperature is in the New York world. There's a lot of people listening to this show who are big Jet fans uh, and Giant fans. Both teams have kind of gone in total opposite directions this year. Have you been following as to where these teams are? Yeah, I mean, I guess nobody would have thought before the season started, right, that the, the Giants season would, in effect, be over before the Jets season. As the, the Jets, the whole thing was, hey, can they go 0-16? Are they tanking for the top pick? And the, the Giants were thought to be um, – a division perhaps favorite, maybe a, a dark horse for the the Super Bowl. And both of those teams look to be about on the same level right now. Now the Jets have a better record. The Giants very easily could be 2-2 two and two at this point. But uh, at 0-4, once you get to that record, it's pretty tough to recover from it, even if you're not quite that poor a team overall to have that record. 
It is certainly shocking. I, I, I'm, I'm more stunned about the Giants' 0-4 start than the Jets' 2-2 two and two start. Uh, it's been it's been shocking uh, to say the least. And one of the interesting things we we're talking to Joe about is that a lot of the players that the Jets have let go, just about all of them, as a matter of fact, have either not played or have been horrific. Uh, Decker's done nothing. David Harris doesn't get in. Brandon Marshall's been terrible. We obviously saw Nick Folk last night. And you could look at all these guys. They've given nothing. It's almost like the Jets got rid of and cut out all these overpaid uh, veterans, but not as if those guys have mangled another one. He's not even on a team. It's almost like none of these guys are contributing, um, which makes it feel like they carried all this baggage last year, and you could throw Revis into that as well, and none of them really had anything left. Yeah, I mean, well, give them credit, I guess, then, right, for, for uh, making the right decision. And football, I would say, for as much as it gets talked about, it's probably the sport we actually know the least about. Because think about it this way. Um, in the NBA, if you root for a, a basketball team, you know essentially everybody that plays on the team. Uh, you know which individuals are, are high impact as if they're going to add huge wins and losses to the, the team. And in baseball, statistically, it's very easy to analyze baseball because there are so many repeated individual um, isolated events throughout the course of a baseball season. In football, the roster is so huge. Um, there are going to be guys you've never heard of who impact the, the team. And on top of that, the stuff we talk about the most, quarterbacks and skill position players, while they're important, there's a lot of other things that go on. You know, people will pay lip service to it and say what happens in the, the trenches, per se, is actually the most important thing. But we don't really spend the bulk of the time discussing that. So that, that's why I think sometimes you'll, you'll see some results or, or – um, you'll you'll notice guys who you might know their name, but they're they're declining a little bit, and then somebody steps into their place who you don't know their name and helps influence um, the the quality of the team. You know, you mentioned the basketball. Uh, it starts season starts in about twelve days. Uh, I'm a huge Knicks fan. We've done a lot of stuff with the Knicks on on the Knicks marketing for the Knicks as a, an agency. Um, you know, it's been a – I wish I could call it a roller coaster, but there hasn't been a lot of highs over the past, you know, X number of years with, with this franchise. Uh, it feels finally like at least there's a direction uh, with youth, uh, with Frankie coming in and KP, uh, and then all of a sudden you have guys like Beasley and, and others that are, I guess, I'm not exactly sure what their, the direction when you add stuff, like guys like those guys who, of course – think they're guys like Durant and, and other individuals when you put them in this sort of situation. Now, what are your expectations of the Knicks this year? Um, and what do you think sort of as the, about the current regime with Hornacek, uh, the new guy that they brought in, Scott Perry and Mills, now that they've moved on from Phil and they moved on from Carmelo? Well, I don't hate the direction they're going in. I was one of the few people who wasn't really against the Tim Hardaway Jr. signing. Of course, you have Porzingis. It's going to be very interesting to see him get the bulk of the, the touches. Can he go from, you know, fringe all-star caliber player to all-NBA kind of player? Can he make that jump this year? I mean, they're going with youth. They, they don't really – they're not saddled by too much um, dead weight going forward. You still have that Noah deal. So I don't mind – I mean, you always worry about the direction of the Knicks because they've just been – 
you know, terribly run for almost two decades now. Uh, you know, they've won one playoff series since I graduated from high school. But overall, I don't mind their direction. With that said, they're going to be absolutely terrible this year. I mean, beyond Porzingis and, and Hardaway Jr., their roster is almost bereft of, of top-flight NBA talent. So uh, overall, I'd say the Knicks are probably around a bottom-five team in the league. I agree on the Hardaway deal. I, I liked him a lot in Atlanta last year. Sometimes, you know, obviously in this case, they kind of negotiated with a little against themselves and overpaid, it seems like, a little bit. But you need guys who can make shots in this league. And the one thing that's clear about Golden State and some of the other teams, Houston and now Oklahoma City and others, is the teams that are winning, moving away from guys when we were teams when we were growing up, yes, you have to play big-time defense in this league, but reality is the teams that win, they could score the basketball. And Tim Hardaway, he can score the basketball. He can get you 20 points a night. And sometimes it just comes down to trying to find guys who can make shots and put the ball in the basket for you. And I think Hardaway is absolutely a guy that you can depend on, not only this year, but in the next four or five years as somebody who can absolutely score the rock for you. Well, you know, um, th- what's embarrassing about it is that they had him and then they, they had to re-sign him. That can't really be blamed on the current regime. And did they overpay? I guess, except for a lot of guys were getting paid that much money. I mean, what's Alan Crabb getting paid in Brooklyn? Uh, those right. guys are, are similar caliber players, right? And, and in order to get the Hawks not to match, you had to overpay. And the Knicks are in a spot where it's very hard for them because they don't have many tradable pieces. So the, the way that they can get talent is through free agency, and no star is going to sign with the Knicks considering their, their circumstances. And the draft. You know, it, being bad this year isn't necessarily a bad thing. So how else were they going to add a, a mid-20s player with some talent? They were going to have to pay him. So that, that's why I don't uh, hate the, the Hardaway Jr. deal overall. Yeah, Robin, you know, you- you can follow Robin on Twitter at, at Robin Lundberg. He's a fantastic follow, incredibly insightful when it comes to sports, great sort of tone of voice and personality. We know from the hyper data, Robin's got over 30,000 followers on Twitter. Almost 90% of them are men, uh, which makes a lot of sense. And, Robin, you know, the two, I, I want to talk to you about two more things before we talk about sports media as a whole, and that's the Yankees is number one. Uh, you probably heard me talking a little bit when you jumped on. Uh, first pitch in a little less than three hours. Are they done? Are they? You think they are done? Do they have a shot here? You know, looked horrendous. Sort of the total different team. Looked amazing two nights ago. Loose depth in the lineup. Smacking the ball all over the place. Um, incredible bullpen. And then you come out last night and can't get a hit. You know, looked like the old A-Rod teams in the sense where they got tight, they couldn't do anything. Um, these are short series. You, you lose today, you got to win three in a row to win. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on where the Yankees are? No, they're not done. I mean, I think the Yankees are in a great place. The Yankees are competitive right now, and they should be competitive in the future. I mean, baseball is a strange sport because um, you know you can look terrible one night based on pitching and great the other night. The, the Yankees have – they were top five in baseball and runs scored and top five in ERA. If the bullpen, which on paper is very strong but hadn't been great all this year, is starting to be as advertised, and, and of course, they owe the win in the wild card game to the bullpen, they've got a, a shot to win the whole thing. Now, they're playing a great team in Cleveland. There were about seven great teams 
throughout baseball this year. So I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win that series, but they're absolutely not done. Well, the done is more on the series itself. I, I, this is a year early for the Yankees. I didn't no, expect no, I, them to be there. No, no, they're not done. I don't think yeah. they're done in the series either. I, I don't think they're. I think they're far from done in the series. Yeah, my only thought is if you lose today against Kluber, you got to beat them three times in a row, and, and obviously it starts with Game Three. But it'll be interesting uh, to see. But they've really done an incredible. I always talk and tweet about Cashman. He's the most underrated GM I've ever seen. His ability to transfer and turn this team over in a market like New York, going from older veteran players to all of this youth, a team that young people and young kids love in a sport that not a lot of young kids love. I completely agree with you about the future of the team. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Kluber. They obviously got to get some hits today and and hopefully get some runs so that they can bring that bullpen in and try to shut it down. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're asking me this question in in six hours and they've lost, maybe I'll say they're done. (laughs) I'm not going to say they're done down 1-0. You got it. Um, other topic, and it's a, it was a controversial topic. I think you maybe launched your show with it, and this is and it's about LeBron. And I want to talk about LeBron. You know, you, you called LeBron the greatest player ever. Uh, I, I think it's a really interesting topic. One that you know I want to talk a little bit about. Um, you know, I, I, my agency was behind a big campaign to help the Knicks bring LeBron to New York when he was a free agent the first time. So I was pretty close to the whole. Uh, free agent ordeal and, and a lot of the presentations to the new pl- to the players eventually ending up in, in Amari. Um, you know, LeBron got such a bad rap because of what he did, but now when you look back at that, not only was it an amazing thing for his career, but it was actually a great thing for charity. It just came off in a really, really bad way. You know, give us your take on why you think LeBron is the best player ever. I think so many of the points that you make on it are very, very smart and well thought out. But I'd love to sort of have my audience get a sense of why you think that's the case, uh, because I think it's a really interesting topic. Sure, sure. Um, look, uh, LeBron, I would say no individual has as much impact on a team and the team's performance as LeBron James has throughout his career. I mean, people talk about record in the finals, and, and if you think Michael Jordan's the best player ever, that's a, an eminently reasonable position. Uh, but sometimes the, the argument that's used, and I could make a better argument for Jordan, is that he was 6-0 in the finals. Okay, great, he was. That, that is great. But LeBron has already been to the finals more than Michael Jordan has been to the finals. So to use his finals record against him is to say it is better to lose before the finals than in the finals. You know, Jordan lost in the first round three times. LeBron hasn't lost in the first round. But you don't hear that brought up. Also, you look at some of the teams LeBron has beaten and or lost to in the finals. I mean, that Oklahoma City team, the Heat beat, that team had Kevin Durant – Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Uh, the, the team the Spurs had had uh, Kawhi Leonard, Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, and then uh, of course uh, the, the Warriors when they won more te- uh, games than any team in history, and he came back in three-one to beat that team. I would argue that every team LeBron beat in the finals is better than any team Jordan and the Bulls beat in the finals. And then you just look at the impact of having him on a team or removing him from a team. You know when he was with Cleveland and they had a team full of basically scrubs, they were winning 60-plus games every year. Then he left and went to Miami, and the Cavs went on the longest losing streak in the history of the sport in duration 
over the four-year period he was in Miami, they had the worst record in the NBA while the Heat went to four straight finals. As soon as he went back to Cleveland, I mean, I know there are other moving parts here, but the, the common denominator is LeBron. As soon as he went back to Cleveland, they went right back to the finals and have been in the finals every year since. So, I mean, you, you look at that, you know, the, the year LeBron left Cleveland, their winning percentage fell further. Now, it's, it's only slightly further, but it's still, it fell further than the year Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman all left the Bulls. There's the it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fascinating, and and clearly, you know, if it's not one or two or three, but you know, I, I as someone who's kind of you know forty and grew up with this whole thing, it's you, know, you hear so many people take shots at him, and it's so much of it. I feel like it's because of how he made the decision, and for someone who played ball in college and have a kid who plays ball now, and I, I just think he's the guy that you want your kid to emulate and play like because. In a day and age where you walk out to a park and everything's one-on-one and everything's, let me see, show you how I can break you down and break your ankles. And it doesn't even matter if you make a shot as long as you break somebody down. In James's case, he always makes the right pass. He always gets the rebound that you need. He makes the defensive play. He's always playing for the team. And sometimes to a fault, we saw it in the first finals with the Spurs to a degree when he played against San Antonio, but he's always thinking team first and that is so anti the generation that we're growing up in today and when you see it in the, the, the parks and you see it on, on Twitter and you see all these guys all about breaking ankles and making moves I don't remember ever seeing or ever hearing that out of LeBron's mouth it's so much more about making the right basketball play and that's something that just screams to me uh, incredibleness at a time in which everybody's going the total opposite way yeah, I mean, uh, uh, look, I mean, his. <laughs> you can try and, and pick a specific thing about him, and I guess if I was looking at a weakness, you could say he's ball dominant, but he's always looking for the other guys. He said he might be the best passer um, ever. Yeah. <laughs> he's right there. You know, he, so he, he scores. You know, he, he almost gets underrated as a scorer because he's such a good passer when he scores as well as anybody ever. I mean, so when you're looking just – all around, checking every box. Uh, I mean, LeBron has to be in everybody's top five, and, and for me, he's top one. Interesting stuff. We're talking to Robin Lundberg. You can follow Robin on Twitter at Robin Lundberg. Robin was the former host of ESPN uh, radio show here in New York and simulcast across 400 markets daily. And obviously the LeBron thing moves us into sports media and digital and Twitter. Now you've sort of been a personality who's had a you know, really interesting run and continues to do you know, different cool, interesting, innovative things around sports and sports media. Now give us a sense of where you see things today are, you know, st- being at a, at a place like ESPN, which obviously has grown, grown and changed, and we've had lots of people on e- from ESPN, including my buddy Darren Ravel. You know, give us a sense of where you see the landscape is today, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about your new show. Uh, yeah, um, well, the landscape is, is changing. It's both, um, for some people, it's scary times, for other people, it's exciting times. I think, you know, we're, we're living in interesting times, and the, the job I do, for instance, the old ways of doing it are taking away. But that doesn't mean there aren't more opportunities. I mean, uh, digital, as you mentioned, is a, is a huge, huge opportunity now. And, and 
the, you know, it's not long. There's still this prestige to being on television, right? But it's not long before that is totally eradicated because really people are, it's just about what screen they're watching it on, right? Their phone or their iPad or their TV screen. Pretty soon the, the feed is going to be coming from the same place because here's where a company like ESPN is suffering. Like cable TV is, is dead. It's just a, a matter of how much longer it, its final days go. It's kind of like print um, newspapers. You know, newspapers have pivoted to online where the, the brands still hold up. You know, I'm at Sports Illustrated right now. It's a magazine, right? But now it's a, um, a magazine plus a, a, a digital space. So, like, the adaptation is important because a, a company like ESPN, for instance, made so much of its money or has made so much of its money on cable bundle packages. So everybody who has cable has ESPN without knowing it. You're paying a little bit more for ESPN than you do other channels. So they're raking in all this dough. But as everyone cuts their cable, then ESPN loses that money. So like those traditional models, people are going to have to adapt. And that's going to see how successful certain companies are. Because we've seen, you know, who would have thought Blockbuster Video and Tower Records would be relics back when those things were popping. But the music Crazy. industry changed. It, it, it's streaming now, right? You know, terrestrial radio, same deal. Like you have podcasts and you have all these other um, distribution ways. So it's as the technology is ahead of the business models, the business models are going to have to catch up. And, uh, you know, whoever catches up the, the, the best and adapts the best, those are going to be the the places that survive and thrive. And you've got a new show now. You can find it on YouTube. It's called At Stick to Sports. You know, give us a sense of what that is and, and you know, how it's doing. You know, I think it's, been, it's really well thought out. It's produced well. I enjoy it. Um, you know, how, how's it doing and you, you having fun doing it? Yeah, I mean, that's really fun to do because I'm at the controls of that. So if, if anybody watches it, you know, um, there, there are people that are working on the show, but I'm actually bringing in all the, the callers and, and the like and the, the media. So um, basically I'm hosting and producing slash directing at the same time. And uh, what it is, it's a, it's a technology that allows eight callers simultaneously. So think sports talk radio, but with video callers um, around the horn with callers, right? So I'm able to, um, to, to have people instead of just call in like they would – to a sports talk radio show, they're, they're on camera. So whether that's a, an important, you know, not to, to say everybody isn't important, but a more well-known person or, you know, Joe from Kipsy, you know, they get to interact and uh, we get to go through a bunch of topics. So it, you, you check that out. Um, you follow my Twitter feed, you can find it. Or like you said, just put stick to sports in YouTube. You can also catch me um, every weekday on SI now live and, and, uh, everything uh, Sports Illustrated related there, and uh, I'm doing some shows for WFAN as well. Yeah, I've been listening to some of the fan stuff, and uh, I guess my last com my comment will be that, which is uh, maybe you'll take over the big guys' uh, the big guys spot, uh, one to six, that everybody grew up listening to, and I know they're trying to figure it out. You're going to throw your hat in the ring for uh, the big guys' opportunity. Well, yeah, you guys go ahead and campaign for that. You know, like, of course, am I, am I not putting my – would I not want high-profile jobs? <laughs> of course I do. Uh, you know, like, but uh, everybody, you know, everybody out there speaks, and, and uh, the stuff I do thrives, and hopefully all that stuff takes care of itself. 
Well, look, man, this was awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Good luck in the new show. We'll continue to, you know, let everybody know all about it, and we'd love to have you on as the Knicks continue to uh, spiral through another season and uh, hear your voice on everything New York. So appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for coming on. All right. Take it easy. Take care. That's Robin Lundberg. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Robin Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G. Super interesting career. Really uh, sort of the face of the new uh, New, York's, New York media, right, and sports media where, you know, you start actually on a, a, a online and then you go into radio and a little TV and then you go back online and now has his own show that he's producing and directing, which is really cool. So congrats to him and definitely checked out uh, that's the, that show, Stick to Sports, on, on YouTube and some of his SI Now stuff. So a lot of fun today. Thanks to Whistle Sports and Joe and the Jets for having and Joe on, and of course, thanks to Robin for spending some time with us. Thanks to our sponsors and our partners. Today was a lot of fun. I appreciate everybody listening. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Let's go, Yankees. And as my man Mad Dog Russo likes to say, adios. Podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man, right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes comes the podcast, here comes your host, The Burger Shop, now live from coast to coast, in any way you want to do it, listen to the show, Ron got the insights, The Burger Shop, you know? Burger Shop.